What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Providence POV. It's Joe Howie. I'm here with Peter DiBiase. Interesting podcast for you tonight. We're coming off of Providence's 21-point loss on the road to 19th-ranked Oklahoma. That was a game that was not very close, then close, and then not very close again. Um, We said this last week, or I guess it's now earlier this week, that... uh, we would be okay with a loss if the team played well. Um, the team didn't play well. They did not look really good. Um, and they got their teeth kicked in in their first true road game of the season. They're now 0-2 against the Big 12 in the non-conference slate. But before we get into any of that, Peter, most importantly, how you doing? I would be doing a little better if, obviously, the Friars played better or took care of business. And... I texted you this, I think it was this afternoon, Joe, uh, and this is the first time that we're doing a podcast this season where we're directly recording post a win. Obviously, yep. we talked about a, the Kansas post State loss. loss. Yeah, post a loss, sorry. Post a sorry. loss. Not post a yeah. win. We've done that a lot this year, but post a <laughs> loss. Obviously, we had the Kansas State loss earlier in the year, but we didn't record until that Monday night, so we had a Georgia win that kind of softened the blow. This is the first yep. time, and it's going to happen again, obviously. We're not going to only win two, lose two games the whole year. It would be nice, but I, I would doubt it. Uh, but it's the first time that we can obviously directly focus 25, 30 minutes on just a loss. And, yeah, we'll see where it takes us. <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> right. Um, all right, so I, let's, I guess let's get into this here. 72-51 final score. Um, obviously, the big storyline behind this one is the Providence went, the Friars went down 12-0 early on, and then Devin Carter single-handedly pulled the team back into somewhat of a competitive first half. The Friars eventually go on in the second half to take the lead for about 15 seconds before they lose it, and then everything spirals from there. Um, the, the team did not look great offensively besides Devin Carter and Josh Oduro. Uh, There was little to no production out of the backcourt. And, you know, it it was kind of a wash uh, once there were about eight or so minutes left in the second half. Oklahoma, on the other hand, looked really good. Um, In my opinion, I think this is a top 12 team in the country after watching them play, maybe even top 10. Um, They're really good. They're really physical. They can score the basketball and, you know, they just out athleticismed. I don't think that's even a phrase or a word, but they were just more athletic than Providence was. Um, got to lose balls quicker, uh, played really well in transition. Um, Oklahoma looked good and they're, they deserve to be eight and oh. Yeah. Uh, it didn't start great. It got better, like you said, because of, a man named Devin Carter, and you kind of you were kind of in the game, right? Like you felt like you got it to like I think it was like twelve eight, and you're like, oh, four point game. We probably yep. we haven't played yep. well enough as a team to be only down four early in this game. You got it to four at half, 35-31, and you're like, you never know, right? Like I didn't think we were gonna, I didn't think we were gonna lose, but I didn't think we were gonna win either. It was kind of like I don't know point. But then when yeah. you score twenty points in the second half, uh, you're not winning a lot of games when you just score twenty points in the second half, and it started obviously Hopkins didn't have a great game. He just didn't find a shot. Uh, he turned the ball over a lot. There was no, no point guard play at all from Providence. And I'm not trying to sound 
mean or harsh, but it's it's no, the you're, root you're, awakening. It's right. It's the root. Yeah, it's the root awakening, right? Like we talked about on Monday night. You guys obviously heard it on Tuesday, but we talked talked about it in the last episode, and I briefly brought it up a little bit of a Jaden Pierre turnover issue that we've seen a couple times. And then you texted me, oh, you might have been right or something like that with the Jaden Pierre <laughs> early turnovers and like. When your point guards struggle, because Garway struggled, he didn't have any turnovers, but he didn't make a shot. And he had no assists. So he had a couple of rebounds and a couple of blocks. But Pierre was one for seven from the field with one assist and three turnovers and four point and four fouls with two points. You got nothing out of your guards that weren't uh Devin Carter. Gaines had zero points. Pierre had two points with three turnovers. Corey Floyd had two points with two turnovers. Garway didn't score, and Richard Barron's seven points, but he's not a guard. Like, the five guards that you have, Devin Carter's the only one that showed up. You're not going to win a lot of games where the guys I just mentioned just completely didn't show up. Yep. Like, Turnover-wise, they didn't score. They couldn't defend. It was it was just a nightmare status game from the Providence backcourt, not named Devin Carter. Yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on, um, and you're right. I wouldn't even I wouldn't include Rich Barron in the backcourt because he's more he's more like Devin Carter. He's more like a wing. He's built like a forward. He's just kind of short. Um, but in, in terms of Pierre, uh, Dual, and Floyd, you know that's not that's not great. Um, you know Pierre, even like you can you can make the argument that. Pierre is, you know, a little rusty still. He's coming off a couple games off and an injury. But that argument is immediately invalid because of the way that he played against URI. Right. Like in URI he had a couple turnovers. He didn't he wasn't as crisp as he's been, but he didn't go one for seven with two points. He scored in double figures and he was making great plays at the end of that one. Like he just he just did not look ready to play. And I think not ready to play is kind of the theme here uh, that stretches beyond the backcourt and across the team. There was one point in the first half looking down at the front court where Oduro and Oduro did wind up having a good game, but in the first half, Oduro kind of just threw the ball towards the rim. It wasn't even like a shot. It, it wasn't his nice little uh, touch. It was kind of just like he threw the ball towards the rim and it like ricocheted off the backboard. I was like, what is happening? It, 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 the team yeah. looked stunned from the tip, um, and you're right. It started in the backcourt with the lack of production and the turnovers, but this was certainly a team-wide issue. Yeah, and it, one, it looked like, and you and I mentioned this on the preview episode or this past week's episode, like it's a trip to Norman, Oklahoma, right? Not a trip you take a lot, nope. and it's you're coming off an emotional win on a Saturday night at home against – your rival, right? Like a huge emotional win. You had the crowd behind you and you took care of business and you won that game. But then you have a quick turnaround talking about from a Saturday night game that didn't end until later until a Tuesday night game, right? Going to Oklahoma. This is not a trip that obviously we take a lot, but it's a tough trip. And you, it wasn't like you were facing a lackluster Oklahoma team. You and I laid out the stats on Monday night. Oklahoma, one of the best offensive teams in the country, and also one of the best defensive teams in the country. I didn't think they were going to hold us to 51 points, but they did. So credit to Oklahoma. I agree. They're a top 10, top 15 team uh, right in the top of the Big 12 with the Houston's, Baylor's, and the Kansas's of the world. Big 12 is yep. crazy good too. Um, but 
Joe, if you told me on Monday night, you're like, Peter, we're we're gonna Oklahoma's gonna score 72 points. And I'd be like, okay, we got a shot. We have a shot because this team this year has been up very up and down offensively, but they're averaging 74 points per game, which is not great. That's 139th in the country. But if you told me our defense, which has been really good this year, be like 72 points, I'd be like, Joe, we have a shot. We might yep. not win. We might lose 72-70, but we have a shot. We didn't have a shot. <laughs> we yeah. had no shot in that second half. You scored. You got outscored by 17 in the second half, and you lost. Uh, and you only scored 20 in the second half. It was like we 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 knocked the beginning of the game, and rightfully so. They got down really early, and they looked like Oklahoma looked like they shot out of a cannon. It looked like and problems looked like they were still in the cannon, uh, not, <laughs> not out yet. But we we battled back. You made it a four point game at half, and you're like, okay, we're in this game. That should have been some momentum. We Kim English should have been. I don't know what he said in the locker room, obviously, but. The, the calling card should have been like, guys, we started so poor. We were down nine early. We couldn't score. We're down four at half. We're right where we want to be in this game. And then you come out in the second half and you get steamrolled. Like, I, I would have thought a different flip would have happened in the second half. I'm not saying we could have won. I thought we were going to win in the second half. But I didn't think we were going to come out of a first half that was very up and down, but only being down four and then just get smoked in the second half. But that's exactly what happened. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. And I really love the point you made about um, Oklahoma only scoring 72, right? Because on an average night in Big East play, if a team scores 72, you think, all right, like that's what, that's a, a, a fine, a good defensive yeah. performance. The season average for Providence for points allowed is 64 and a half. So that's above average, but again, you're playing teams where in a sport of college basketball that's changing now, and that's relying much more heavily on the three-point shot. Seventy-two is an okay number, but not when you're twenty-two, you're twenty-one points beneath that number offensively, and that's the problem. Um, and and like we've said time and time again on this show, is that it's going to take some getting used to. Uh, the new style of offense, the relying very heavily on the three-point shot. We say it all the time, live by the live by the three, die by the three. If Providence offensively played the same game over at Oklahoma, I would be okay with it if and only if the defensive intensity was much better. Because defensively is, you know, you, you can't let guys score all over you at will. Oklahoma shot 46% from the field. They didn't shoot great from three, 31%, but they took 19. Um, they got to the line fairly often, 11, uh, 11 free throws attempted to Providence is six. So again, I know the offense was atrocious, but we've seen the offense ebb and flow so far this season. The defense is what I think I'm most disappointed about, especially at really? the tail end of the second half when guys were kind of like, jogging back in transition, you could tell that they knew they were going to lose and they just didn't give a shit. Yeah, I 100% see where you're coming from uh, on that. I, I think the defense obviously wasn't great, um, but they weren't terrible. And also, I think we're a really good defensive team outside of probably the Oklahoma game, Joe, but it's also the stat lines a little watered down just based off uh, competition that you play. 
obviously yeah. the handful of non-con games that are not against great opponents or bottom tier uh, the division oh, one basketball landscape. So obviously everything with those stats have to take a grain of salt. But I do. I think the intensity wasn't there on both sides of the ball. And flipping to the offense, there's like two stats that – and you and I talked about a little bit off air that come to mind, right? Like you shot five, and we've talked about this a lot, and it feels like we're going to keep talking about it. <laughs> five for 23 from three, which is a 21.7% mark. But that's a terrible stat. It's terrible performance. But we only got to the line six times. We took yep. six free throws. So actually, we got to the line less than six times. Um, we took six free throws, which is not great. And as a team that doesn't shoot the ball particularly well from three, you want to capitalize. Uh, down well, and you did it. You were four for six from free throw line. You just didn't get to the line. You settled for too many. Hopkins, 0 for 4 from 3. Adoro, 0 for 2 from 3. Pierre, 0 for 3 from 3. Gaines, 0 for 2 from 3. This four of your five starters that took a good amount of threes and didn't make a single one. That cannot keep happening. And I get it, and I get it that Kim English wants the ball to be shot from deep. It's part of the offensive scheme. But sooner or later, you are going to have to take a step back and be like, guys, like look at your roster makeup and be like, this is my first year as a head coach here. And obviously not every single player I brought in. So it's not every single player fits my quote unquote perfect scheme. So maybe we dial it back a little from three. And then obviously as the Kim English just progresses throughout the years, obviously he'll recruit more shooters. That's just kind of seems like how he wants to play. But for this year's makeup of this team, the staff is should take a step back and be like, guys, and this is take the staff has to reflect, the players have to reflect. We might not be a great three-point shooting team, and we have enough good enough guards and forwards to get into the lane and finish. That seems like our strength. We have to go to that more. If the three's there, take the three, but get away from the three being a vocal point of this offense because it's just not working. It's just not, it's just, it's, I get it that we want to be a three point shooting team, but sooner or later we have to take a step back and be like, guys, it's not working. Maybe adjust a little. Yeah, no, I I think you're spot on. Um, And I'm okay with, listen, you're not going to shoot the ball lights out every night. And I think that's just the reality of the situation now. And I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is the settling for threes. Um, and that is uh, Jaden Pierre taking the ball up the court and with 29 seconds in the shot clock, shooting a transition three before everybody's back on offense. I'm not okay with Josh Oduro, who who actually is a, a pretty good three-point shooter, um, coming and doing the same thing in transition on the other end, but off of a pass. Right. Like I understand, like you said, that this is Kim's style of play and he's the man in the driver's seat now. So I'm on board with that. But if it's not working, you got to find another way, because instead of shooting the lights out, we shot ourselves in the foot offensively. Um, Bryce Hopkins, 0 for 4 from deep, and he didn't have he didn't get to the free throw line once. And. I mean, I know we didn't get to the free throw line a lot as a team. I think actually only two players even took free throws, and that's Oduro and Carter. But 
Bryce Hopkins, his bread and butter of his play style is being able to take his defender to the cup and getting fouled. Like that is Bryce Hopkins bread and butter. Like when all else fails, that's what you do. And that didn't happen once. So I get it. Like, like you said, it's the new style and it's taking some adjusting. Um, And I I'm okay with that. I can, I can swallow that pill, right? It's, it's, a new coaching style, a new system, a new staff. What I can't swallow is when it's clearly not working, not switching it up. That to me uh, seems like a miss. Yeah, I agree. And I know we're throwing a lot of stats at you guys tonight. Um, and if you're obviously you listen to this Friday morning into Friday and hopefully into the weekend. Um, but Joe, your three point percentage, right? Not you, our team. Uh, three-point percentage right now is we're 216th in college basketball and three-point percentage. Ouch. You know, we're from two-point percentage, we're at 35th in college basketball. That's a great number. 35th in college basketball and two-point uh, field goal percentage is great. So then why don't we take more twos? Like, I, I know it's easier said than done, and you and I are sitting – at our desk right now with the microphone in front of us and saying, do this, do that, all that stuff. And I get that. And I, it's, we're being like an armchair quarterback, but for basketball, like that's yeah. what we're doing right now. But that, but that's why we have a podcast and that's like, you can listen to us or not listen to us. That's and the purpose of the podcast. Yes. And it's our opinion. And obviously Kim English is not listening to it, but if you are Kim English, if you want to come on, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if you are listening, but you know what I'm saying? Like we can see that offensively they're more, two-point centric, like stats-wise. But how they go about their offense, you would feel like you look and you watch and you're like, this team takes more threes. They seem three-point centric when you watch, when you look with with the eye test. But if you go to the stats, they're a better two-point percentage team than they are from three-point percentage team. That's where it becomes frustrating because you know this team is good at getting into the lane. We've seen it. We have the guards. We have the forwards. And we have the big men to be able to finish around the rim and be physical down low and get to the line. I think we have that roster makeup. We do. I don't think we have the roster makeup to be a three-point shooting team. We didn't last year, right? And this team is very similar to to what this team is from last year to this year. Like, you added Adora, obviously. You added Ticket Gaines. And you obviously added uh, Baron and Garay Dua. Like, you you didn't add... A couple of Splash Brothers. I think Ticket Games has been very, <laughs> be a good three-point shooter. He's been very up and down. Obviously, Adoro can hit the three, but he's more of a back-to-the-basket kind of guy. Always a true freshman, and so is Rich Barrett. Like, you kind of have a similar team that he did last year. And last year, he wasn't a great three-point shooting team. So why would this year's team be? Yeah, I agree with you there. I think um, – I don't know. I think it, part of the – disappointment in the three-point shooting too is it's not coming from the guys that are supposed to be the sharp shots um you know i think what going back to the preseason when i looked ahead i thought ticket and Corey floyd were going to be our two like three-point sharpshooters and I obviously knew that Devin Carter had improved his three-point shooting because of the way that he shot the basketball last season. So I thought that he was kind of tier three, you know, Pierre Duall tier four, and then uh, 
Hopkins kind of at the bottom. And Mm -hmm. so far it's been reversed, right? Like Devin Carter took nine threes. Hopkins took four, right? Like I understand those are our go-to guys and they're our leading scorers, but like Corey Floyd didn't take any threes. He should be take. They should be drawing up more opportunities for him to shoot threes. Ticket Gaines only took two shots, and both of them were threes, and he went scoreless. And that's the same Ticket Gaines that dropped twenty one points on seven made threes. You know, less than two weeks ago. So, I think for me, the the issue that I'm having with it isn't uh, the three point shooting itself. It's just who is taking the shots and. Like I think from a Bryce Hopkins perspective, it's clear now we are nine games into the season. He he's struggling to shoot the basketball from deep, and you know that that's not meant to knock him. It's just an objective. It's uh, it's an objective fact. He's having a difficulty. Mm -hmm. Short. uh, Oh my god, I can't speak. He's having difficulty scoring the ball from deep. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. No, I agree with you. It was, it's one of those things where it's not like, oh, a one-game kind of outlier. It's kind of becoming a trend. Right. Like, I think if, you know, we want to be this three-point shooting team that is a threat from the perimeter and you can't leave guys alone and then it opens up the inside for Oduro, I think that's fine. But I think the right guys need to be taking the shots. I think – if Devin Carter's taking threes, fine. He's proven that he can hit them, even if he's taking them in a high volume like Marcus Howard. If Ticket wants to shoot it, fine. We know he can hit them. I think Corey Floyd needs more attempts. I think Pierre and Dual need more attempts. I think it, Hopkins, just in full trans- honesty, needs to stop shooting it from deep unless he's wide open. Yeah. Um, if we could... I have a I text you remember that thing when I texted you during the game that K-Mac tweet about uh I'll bring it up right now because I think we we battered into the ground with a three-point shooting team and you seem a little more positive than I do which is a good thing because well I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> I agree. I I agree. It's not the end of the world. I agree. I 100%. But it's I just it just feels like it's a little bit of a trend. But I I tweeted I texted you this tweet from K-Mac who covers uh the Friars in Rhode Island. Um, Kim English tried to get Bryce. Ho- this is from the tweet. Mm-hmm. Kim English tried to get Bryce Hopkins a few minutes of rest, but backfired. Oklahoma on a 9-0 run. Lead now, largest of nights, 60 to 46. What I texted you to that, and you wrote ouch because obviously it was ouch. But obviously we could take a step back. What are your thoughts on that? Because I don't. F- I know and a lot of people in that Twitter thread and Twitter comment section were and quote tweeting were coming at Kevin Bush about his inexperience in these type of games, just being at George Mason and not being at a power six school. I, I think that's a complete I, I have the complete opposite take. I think if we should be able to give Bryce Hopkins a couple minutes, this team should be good enough to withstand Bryce Hopkins sitting on the bench for three minutes and not letting Oklahoma go in a nine oh run. Like yeah. That's where I stand on that. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I'm not, I'm not, and you're not, uh, from what I'm understanding, we're not on the bashing Kim English train here. No. Um, no. And I forget who it was. It, it's one of those Friar Stats uh, Twitter accounts. Um, I, yeah. But they tweeted out uh, that Providence got open looks. They just weren't falling. Like, I don't think Kim is the problem here. I don't think that. 
resting Bryce Hopkins is the problem here. I just, I, I think there is uh, an issue with, uh, honestly, I just don't think the team came to play. And I think, I, I think body language is a big thing. I think, uh, you know, when Devin Carter went on his personal 11 nothing run to, to scrape us and quite literally revive the team in the first half, you could see he was getting frustrated. Like he was turning around on defense to guys and like trying to get guys up, trying to get guys amped, right? The, the team didn't look ready to play. Jaden Pierre had a couple of back-to-back turnovers and then kind of like lollygagged back in transition defense. I, and listen, I get it. It's a road game in December to Oklahoma. It, it's for a college student. It's probably not fun, right? Like to, to travel like that and have to, play on $2 beer night, but it's what you have. It's what you do, right? Like some of these guys make more NIL money than our parents. Like you need to, you need to show up to play. That's what you're there to do. Yeah. And also you have finals coming up next week, um, this upcoming week. So you have that on the horizon for some of these kids uh, for me as well, but uh, I wasn't suiting up. (laughs) Thank God I wasn't suiting up on Tuesday night. Probably would have been a little worse, but you talked about Jaden Pierre. We talked about his turnovers. And I talked about earlier this week how he plays a little lackadaisical. And I think that – and I I said that's one of the reasons why I like him. And that's something that makes him who he is and that makes him a better player. But it also kind of costs him at some times, right? Like it, it, he has to find a combination of both. And some of those turnovers in the beginning weren't great. His shooting wasn't great. And we have seen – when Jaden Pierre plays well and when he is efficient playing 25 minutes a game to 30 minutes a game, not saying he has to score 50, but playing well, passing the ball around, this team is really good. Yeah. He might be the quote-unquote X factor, right? Like I think Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins and Adoro are probably more important and probably better players. But we have seen when Jaden Pierre plays well, this team plays really well. And when Jaden Pierre is not on the court – or when he plays, or when he struggles, like in the Oklahoma game, this team struggles. They yeah. need that constant point guard, and it's a lot of pressure on a sophomore point guard who did not play a lot as a freshman. He did not. There's it's a lot of pressure on Jaden Pierre. Um, but that's why you have Ticket Gaines and Everett Carter, and I think we do need to see a little more consistency coming out of Ticket Gaines, right? Like, I love the seven for ten for three point shooting, but then I don't like coming on and taking two shots. And you know what I'm going to throw out here? It's a weird co- um, comparison for ticket gains. I don't know how I got to ticket gains here, but a weird <laughs> comparison for ticket gains because they're completely different type of players. But how their offensive game inconsistencies look reminds me of AJ Reeves. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. That's it's just they're totally two different type of players because I think ticket gains is a way better defender than Reeves. But I thought Reeves is probably a little bit of a better score. But when you look at them. They're very similar. Like one game will have will be six for eight from three and look like Steph Curry, and the other game will go over four, or we won't take any shots, or we'll look like we're non-existent, and we're and it looks like Oklahoma's playing five on four off when they're on um on defense. That he reminds me a lot of that because he sometimes becomes invisible in the game. Yeah, and it just he, he can't do that. Like he, he, I'm not saying you have to score double digits every night, but you can't take two shots in 21 minutes. Yeah, that's unacceptable. 
Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, and back to the Reeves comparison for a minute. Um, something I used to say, if, if you want to go all the way back to season one of the flex, um, is AJ Reeves needed to see the basketball go through the hoop in order to be a lethal threat from three. If you drew up a couple of threes for him and they didn't go in, he was, it was going to be a long night for him. If you had him a light, you, you drew him up a layup or a quick dunk or, or something to get him an open look down low. All of a sudden he's, you know, splashing them home from downtown. Um, I'm not saying that ticket games, ticket gains is the same way, but to your point about settling for two shots, you know, why not, you know, try something down low? Why not try driving or a mid range, right? Like your your, uh, purpose as a basketball player and, and the role that you serve on this team isn't just camp out in the left corner and take threes. Obviously he's good defensively, but offensively speaking, you know, you need to get him more looks if he's if he's supposed to be a good scoring option for us. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's one of yeah. those things. All right. We've talked a lot about the bad. Uh, I'm going to soften the blow a little bit here. Um, big picture stuff. Obviously, the individual game, um, that's one where you're going to want to have short-term memory loss. You're, you're going to want to, um, you know, watch the film and then throw out the tape. But – uh, perspective. This is probably how Wisconsin felt after they visited the dunk uh, a couple weeks back in early November. Um, Providence only has two losses on the season. Both of them are to big 12 teams that are right now. Good. Uh, Kansas state is, you know, continues to win and Oklahoma is a top 10 team or should be a top 10 team. Um, and, you know, this isn't a loss on the resume where the selection committee is going to be like, you know what, like this is the one that keeps him out. Yeah. It would have been a nice win to have, and it would have been a really good uh, early season ranked road win uh, for this team. But, uh, you know, the opportunity has gone now. Uh, so what you got to do now looking forward is you got to take care of business. You got the Crosstown shootout on Sunday against Brown, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here. And then you've got Sacred Heart at home the following Saturday. And then, after that, you know, it's Marquette and Big East play is here. Um, I still think that there's some tweaks that need to be made before, you know, conference opponents start coming to town, but that's what these next two games are for. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a good perspective to have on it. Like, you're not – unless at – the, at the moment, right, you don't have a bad loss in the non-con, which is always good at this moment. Obviously, if you lose to Brown and lose to Sacred Heart, then you have a bad loss. So I'm not going to woods. I don't jinx myself here, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Big picture thing. You're, you went on the road to a top at the time, a top 20 team, probably when the AP poll comes out on Monday, I don't know who Oklahoma has this weekend. If they do, um, uh, they will be closer to 10 than they were 20. This is my opinion. Uh, I think so too, but yeah, big picture thing. Lost to two big 12 teams. You didn't look great against Oklahoma. Obviously, Kansas State was a little different because you had a chance to win that game. Um, and you probably arguably could have won that game. You probably arguably should have won that game. Yep. This game, we can't say that because they shouldn't have won that game and they had no chance to win this game just based on how they played. But, yeah, big picture thing. You have two games, but you have a – like Sunday at noon is a tough start. It's a noon game on a Sunday with NFL football on, right? Like it's – I'm not saying they want to watch football instead, but I'm saying like the crowd environment. Like there might be a couple people that don't show up because their team plays at one o'clock, right? It's just that type or of or because it's noon on Sunday. That's also true too. That type of thing, and then you have a week off due to finals, 
And then you got Sacred Heart on a Saturday without students at 1.30, right? Like, so those two games, very winnable. Uh, Brown play the other night against URI. They did end up beating URI by three, which is, ended up being a, a pretty good game. Yeah. But yeah, big picture thing, not dead in the world. You're 7-2, and two, you're 49th in Kempon, and your Wisconsin win looks good because now they're 11th in Kempon because Wisconsin just beat Michigan State and they beat Marquette. Yeah, uh, that, that so win is aging tremendously for that, us. That win is looking like an incredible win. because you And I get it's early in the year, but them being 11th in Ken Palm right now, great win. So that's the big picture thing. It's not all doom and gloom if you're the Friars. Yeah, and I know we were overly negative for 28 minutes there, but you know what? We're, we're fans, so but, we're fans first. And I think a yeah, lot of the – sorry, go ahead. But it's also like – there wasn't a lot to be positive. If we're stepping back yeah. as non-fans, I think everyone would have a similar take. And I do think we were very rational yeah. uh, of our opinions. No. It's just what we saw and what we saw wasn't great. And we talked about it. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, you know, I, when you peel back the layer, we're fans first and then we do this. So if you don't like it, <laughs> take your earbuds out. Stop listening. Um all right, you got I got I got to squeeze this in here at the end because I haven't said it yet. But as always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site house-enterprise.com to get in on the fun. Toggle over to the blog tab. That's where you'll find this podcast amongst others. Also there you'll find the writing pieces put out by myself and our other talented writers. If you head over to the merchandise tab, that is where you can buy your vintage Flex merchandise. It's only up for a little bit while longer before the Providence POV logo is swapped out. All right. We're 33 minutes here coming towards the end. Peter, you were at the Brown URI game this past weekend, or actually that was yesterday. Wow. Losing my mind here. You were at the Brown URI game yesterday. What are three takeaways that you have for everybody? Yeah, so I was at the Brown URI game. Brown ended up winning by three. Uh, a Brown team that's known for their turnovers didn't turn the ball over. They had twelve assists to eight turnovers, so they did a good job. But I was texting Joe through. I wrote a couple uh, and throughout the game, and I wrote a couple notes down. They're a scrappy team, right? They're going to get up in your face. They know they're undersized, uh, so that's my second point. They're undersized and they're a scrappy team. They went seven deep really in that game. They had two guards off the bench. Uh, our guard and a forward off the bench uh, that played most of their minutes uh, on the bench. They didn't really use much, anybody else in that game. So scrappy, undersized, not super deep. And I also wrote down no offensive game really from their bigs, but they do have a good score in Lily Jr., who's averaging 19 points per game on the season. He had 22 against URI. So look for a team that's just going to be try to get in your face, try to make it a little tough. On you, but at the end of the day, they are a three and eighteen. Um, but credit to them, a nice road win against your eye uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, if you're a college in the state of Rhode Island and you get to go to URI and beat them, uh, that is always a great feeling because URI fans are just the worst. Um, but yeah, I, I think, like you said, Peter, at face value, this is a three and eighteen. Um, I think that win over URI says more about the state of URI and that program right now than it does about Brown. Um, but nevertheless, you can't let what happened in Oklahoma uh, carry over into Sunday's game. I think, you know, Providence needs to come out hot. They need to take the lead early, pull away with it, and and 
kind of make it a no contest. You know, this is a three and eight Brown team and a loss at home to Brown. And I'm going to knock on wood again. Um, a loss at home to Brown is something that raises eyebrows. So you lose on the road to Oklahoma, who's a, a, a top, who should be a top 15, top 10 team. All right, fine. We did it to Wisconsin. It happens. Sometimes you get a flat tire. It's how you respond that's important. And I think the opportunity is for the taking on Sunday to respond really strong against a Brown team that is um, last in the Ivy League. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, one of the weaker Ivy League teams. Uh, they were supposed to be a little better than this year than they, I think they played. Uh, Brown, the only wins are against Rhode Island College. That's Rick. Don't think that's D1. To be honest with you, Kansas City, this ain't football and this ain't the Chiefs and URI. They've lost to Colgate, Loyal of Maryland, New Hampshire, uh, USC, only lost by 11, uh, Delaware, Ohio, Bryant, and Maine. Yeah, this team's not deep. I don't think they're particularly strong at the big man position. They have a good guard, but they're both undersized. They're both two like one guard's six five, um, but they're two main like guards, one off the bench and one starts. They're both six feet and five eleven, right? Like this should be an easy, comfortable win for the Friars on Sunday. Yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it for me. Is there anything else out of you, Peter? No, that, that's it. Hopefully the Friars take care of business against Brown. Obviously we won't be – obviously you'll, you'll tell them. But, yeah, hopefully they take care of business against Brown and kind of get a little more – I know it's Brown, but maybe look a little momentum um, on Sunday. Just sh- if they shoot the ball well from three, they look better. It's it calm people's nerves just a bit. I know it's still Brown, but if, it, if yeah. they put a nice performance out, it, it would be nice. That's right. Um All right, as we're recording this, it's Thursday the 7th. You'll be listening to this sometime on Friday. You can find us at Providence POV wherever you consume your podcast content. Providence will be taking on Brown this Sunday at noon at the Amica Mutual Pavilion. That game will be on CBS Sports Network. As it currently stands, there is no spread, no line yet. Um, but ESPN analytics does have Providence favored by 89.4%. So take with that what you will. For Peter DiBiase, this is Joe Howie. Go Friars. Go Friars.